Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures podcast. We're your host, Peter Zalewski. This is episode five of season one of our podcast. Uh, we basically started right when the whole COVID-19 lockdown began in the United States. And um, we're trying to use this time effectively to try to uh, give you, the audience, some idea as to what's going on in the condo market in South Florida. Not only the condo market specifically, but all the other indirect type of businesses uh, that are involved with it. And I say that because for this week's um, episode, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on business interruption insurance. As we all know, the effective, effectively, the U.S. economy has been shut down. Florida economy has been shut down. People don't have any cash coming in unless they're an essential business. So some of uh, business owners with foresight, they took out uh, insurance, which is called business interruption insurance. And the th- idea is... If something happens and you can't actually open up your shop, there's some insurance policy out there that will put money in your coffers to help you to be able to exist, get through the downturn, and ultimately come back on the other side. Now, it's not always easy to go ahead and collect from the insurance companies on that actual policy. Even though you've been paying in, they don't necessarily want to pay out to you. So for our uh, primary guest uh, this for this week's episode, he's a gentleman uh, out of uh, Coral Gables. He's an attorney. He's actually a litigator. So he gets in the, in the courtroom and he's actually fighting on behalf of his clients clients. His name is Benjamin Alvarez. He goes by Ben. Benjamin Alvarez. He is the founding partner of a firm called Alvarez, Feltman, Da Silva, and Costa. He's been doing and practicing litigation for a number of years. He worked for some big dogs uh, down here in South Florida. Ultimately, a number of years uh, back, he went ahead and set up his own firm. And now that's all he does is specialize in suing insurance companies who don't want to pay uh, the policyholders. Now, if you are in the, if you have a business or uh, and you have a business interruption insurance or any other kind of insurance, it might be an interesting episode for you because he's going to walk you through some of the steps. First of all, what is that type of policy? Uh, what does it entail you to? And what do insurance companies do to sort of stop from or try to work from uh, paying you off? So, a very interesting episode. I think you'll uh, you'll get some interest out of it. Uh, also, as part of this episode, we have a roundtable uh, near the end. It'll be segment three where we have a, a panel of three former journalists, myself included, we kick around three story ideas, uh, ideas or uh, stories that are going on in South Florida right now that pertain to the real estate market, give you real-time perspective on the ground what's happening. And then finally, we conclude with a comment section. Um, you, our guests, our audience, we encourage you to send in any comments, whether you like us, you dislike us, you have an idea for a topic, you want us to discuss something, you want us to change something, uh, let us know. We want to know. Our email address is inquiry at condovultures.com. I I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com, or you can call us at the office, 305-865-5859. So this is Peter Zalewski. I'm the host of the Condo Vultures podcast. After this short break, we're going to get into our interview with uh, Ben Alvarez, a litigator. And uh, trust me, it's a very interesting type of conversation. Enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? 
Are you searching in the markets of Greater Downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vulture Podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski. As I was talking about in the first segment, um, we have the pleasure to have on a litigator, an attorney. Now, some of you might say, oh, fuck, that's all I want to do is hear about an attorney. The good <laughs> news about this attorney is that he's going to give us some great insight. He's a local guy in South Florida, in Miami. He's been in front of the judge. He's been arguing, wins a lot more cases than he loses, at least so he says. And he's going to give us some um, input about business interruption insurance. Obviously, everything going on with what I call the COVID, uh, the way it's disrupting our lifestyles. It's actually disrupting a lot of people's businesses. Many of you out there, you have your own businesses, whether it's a real estate brokerage or anything else. You effectively are struggling to try to put, uh, you know, bring cash in, keep the coffer full, and yet uh, still take care of all your employees. So we're gonna be, we're gonna dive in. We're gonna get some sense. We'll start off with the conversation because I'm a neophyte. We're gonna start off with the conversation about um, uh, uh, what business interruption insurance is, and then we'll sort of see what some of the uh, advantages are and possibly disadvantages. Are. So uh, hope you guys are ready. Buckle up. This will be a good use of your time. And let's get ready to ha- sort of have some fun. So I have on the line and we're doing this remotely because, you, you know, you got stay, uh, stay away, social distancing, all that type of stuff. You know, wearing gloves and masks, although I'm not. And, and hopefully he's not. But let me introduce you to uh, Ben Alvarez. Ben Alvarez in Coral Gables. He's an attorney. Ben, you out there? I am, man. How are you? I'm uh, doing well. What about you? You got a mask on and gloves for this interview, or are you you sort of going uh, bareback? No, I'm sitting in my bedroom, so it's always right, best to go, go bareback in the bedroom. <laughs> At least when you're married with kids. There you go. So Ben is a founding partner of Alvarez, Fellman, Da Silva, and Costa. It's in Coral Gables. I was actually asking Ben when we were first uh, sort of uh, kicking it around, because I don't really know Ben. I was asking him about this great little buffet I've heard about on the ground floor of his building. Turns out it's not as great as uh, everybody says in Yelp. So, uh, you know, forget that. Forget that if you're looking for quality and a good price. So, Ben, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where are you from um, and how did you become a litigator? Oh, man, that's a that's a horrible question for me to have to answer. <laughs> Uh, that's the biggest softball uh, question you're gonna get. I, I, I know, right? I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid that grew up in West Palm. I moved to Miami at, right before high school started. I went to a couple of different high schools, so I have a lot of friends around town. And then I spent uh, most of my years in college and law school at the University of Florida. I, uh, as a, we were talking before, I'm a big Gator fan, so it's a uh, it's uh, it's kind of sad that college football, no spring games. You know, no, no college baseball season, no college final four, you know, March Madness for the, I, I can't remember the last time March Madness didn't go on. It's, uh, I realize you asked me about myself and I'm talking about basketball, but it's a severe drought that I have of sports and doing yep. anything social the last two months. Yep. I feel like, like since the beginning of March, we've been able to do basically just do nothing. 
Yeah, think about it. We're, we're recording this right before the NFL draft. Think about it. The NFL draft, a virtual draft, is like the highlight of every sports fan's um, uh, interest level right now. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I've got a great buddy of mine who owns a bar, and his bar is closed. And he has offered to open it up for like five or six of us very close friends if everybody comes in wearing a mask, and we mm-hmm. all agree to sit like five feet from each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's imagine it's 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 the NFL draft and we're talking six guys sitting in a bar and that's like the highlight of my month is is getting out of the house to go to a bar even if it's for just that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully it's going to turn. Hopefully, uh, who knows when? Hopefully it turns. I mean, what comes after the fact in terms of the economy? You know, the guys on Wall Street are saying effectively right off twenty twenty start anticipating maybe twenty twenty one if there's a vaccine. Every you know people start getting vaccinated or tested. Come Q2 of 2021, that's when things start going. So if they're right, we're looking at a year of this up and down and basically stalling. Brother, look at the price of oil. Mm-hmm. I mean, ExxonMobil is is trading at 30 bucks. It's unbelievable. Crazy. It's it, crazy what's going on. It does take you back to 2008. I, I'll never forget when Lehman uh, failed, when the when Paulson let uh, Lehman Brothers file for uh, bankruptcy, basically get taken out and just how everything unraveled. Uh, you know, when oil hit, what, negative 38 bucks a barrel or somewhere in and around there, it was yeah, almost yeah. like one of those moments uh, in terms of symbolically to me, finan- you know, from a financial systems perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. The problem is, at least in 2008, the problem was, you know, the, the issue was was a financial meltdown mm-hmm. due to due to a myriad of, of, of reasons, mostly because of these asset backed securities. Yep. But what we're talking about now is it's a germ. It's it's a it's a virus. You can't go out of your house. You can't do anything. It's it's like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully we're not going to see it again once we conquer it. But from what they're saying, uh, chances are these things are going to be rolling through on a somewhat frequent basis going forward. But God, can you imagine going? I mean, imagine if you were single trying to meet people. Yeah. What do you got to walk around with a a letter saying, you know, I'm I'm COVID-19 negative. It's okay to hang out with me. Right. Well, well, think about think about going to a game now. You're talking about college football or college basketball or baseball. I mean, are you going to have to have an ID? Like I, I was reading something in Chile. That's what they're looking at doing, giving people cards that said that they've had it. And now suddenly they're, you know, they can gain access where if you haven't had it, you're almost ostracized. I, I've heard that European soccer season is going to have empty stadiums. Wow. 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 Yeah. And if you can and imagine you, that. And, and your family, everybody, everybody's okay. It's, uh, you know. Man, everybody's good. My father's 79 years old, but he's doing great. Okay. You know, he's, he's staying home, doing what he needs to do. But yeah. Other than that, we haven't had any issues in our family. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah, thanks, man. How about yours? Yeah, you know, everybody so far so good. Surprisingly, I had a cough going, and I figured, okay, uh, uh, I live in the city of Miami. So in the city of Miami, the mayor, he was uh, the first mayor in the U.S. to actually come down with it. I, I know uh, Francis very well. Okay, okay. So he came down with it, and he's been very proactive. So he actually opened up the testing. While the state and everybody else was sort of dragging their heels or only doing it for healthcare uh, mm-hmm. and first responders, you know, he opened up the, the the floodgates. So basically, I went and got tested. Now it was it was a double edged sword for me because on one side I wanted to have it because by the time I would have got the results back, it would have been the end of the two week period. 
Right. And and I would have been like, all right, I'm done. Now I'm theoretically immune. It's like chicken pox. Once you got chicken pox, you can go to like, you know, uh, events where there's kids because you're, you're, you're not afraid anymore. Absolutely. So, but unfortunately or fortunately, again, bittersweet, um, I was negative. I was negative. So. Well, I live in Key Biscayne. Okay. And we've been shut down with no resident, uh, no non-resident traffic for about three weeks now. Yep. And like you said, you had a cough. It's yep. funny. I, I have chronic asthma since I was a kid. I've, I've run around with a vental and inhaler in my pocket at all times. Oh, shit. Um, no, it's, it's okay. I, you know, I just take care of myself and I've never had an issue. But um, because of that, the city um, sent out a questionnaire to the residents of Village of Key Biscayne, and I emailed them back. Yes, I have asthma, and they asked me to go in for a, uh, for a coronavirus test. Nice. Yeah, so I went in this morning. We'll see what they tell me. It's supposed to tell me within 48 hours. So, Wow. That's fantastic. You know, I'm looking forward to this antibody um, type of test. Man, Hopefully, you're not kidding, huh? You know, because who knows? Maybe you had a cold. You didn't think it was anything because your, your system was able to, you know, fight it off. And if you're already in the clear, then it changes your life. It changes your perspective. Entirely. Peter, I, I was in New York for my daughter. My, I have a four-year-old daughter. Okay. Um, in late February, we came back, I think, March 2nd. When we were up there, my wife was like, I'm really worried about this coronavirus. And I was like, come on, stop it. This is like the flu. Don't give me that. And like a week and a half later, we're basically shuttered inside our, our, our home. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, you know, it is what it is, man. What, you know, we got to gotta roll with the punches. Problem is, you know, the economy, what the hell is going to happen? Well, and that's a perfect segue into talking about what you do and, um, you know, how people can use your services or what they ought to be thinking about while they're sitting there figuring out, oh, my God, what am I going to do because the money's drying up and things like that. So so I'm, I'm looking at your bio here. You worked at Broad and Cassell. You were also at uh, Two Cardenas. I, so, I was a big firm guy for a long time, but not for a long time. I was a, a long time ago. And yeah. what, what when 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 you were working at those two firms, what what did you sort of do? Just just walk me through it. How you sort of figured out what your specialty would be, and then and then if you could talk a little bit about what you're doing now. What, what's the tip as a spirit now? Um, geez, uh, at Broad and Casella was a young lawyer right out of law school. So you're working uh, eighty hour weeks. Uh, yeah, it was a very big firm, and I was probably the youngest or or the most um, inexperienced lawyer there at the time. I don't know. We probably had three four hundred lawyers at that time. Um, and I was a litigation associate. I, I went to court, you know, I, I, I handled little matters and I carried a lot of briefcases and drafted a lot of memos mm-hmm. uh, to Cardenas, uh, to Cardenas at, at, in its time, because it's no longer yep. uh, around, was, was one of the premier litigation uh, boutiques in Miami. We were about 40, 50 lawyers and it was nothing short of, of spectacular. Um, and I still have a relationship with a lot of the guys that I used to work with back then. I just kind of wanted to go off and do it on my own and that's what i did about 17 years ago so ben you're you're working at these big law firms you decide you need to change and you decide you're gonna set up your own firm and you're gonna bring in some um some other partners what why don't you sort of walk me through that how how did you do that and and, and what were you what were you trying to accomplish yeah originally we were, we were trying to have a little better quality of life and and kind of do the kind of the law that we wanted to practice and, and do the right thing take on the right clients um, I also got tired of representing uh, big insurance and tired of representing all these uh, uh, business entities that, that, that frankly, weren't uh, owning up to their uh, obligations. Uh, so since, that, since 2002, 2003, I have not represented an insurance company ever again because I've learned that all they really do 
is uh, is take money for premiums and then they don't want to pay their clients. Yeah. So over the past 15 years or so, 16 years, I have represented literally thousands of homeowners, business owners, commercial real estate holders, um, appraisers, adjusters, general contractors, you know, honestly, plumbers, roofers, and, you know, every, every sub-trade you could think of in, uh, in collecting from these carriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what you do. You focus on um, uh, insurance companies primarily. At this point in my career, that's pretty much what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then your your uh, your partners, your your colleagues. What 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 uh, specialties do they have at the firm? I mean, there are different guys that do different stuff. You know, we're um, you know, we're about. I think now we're down to like twelve, thirteen lawyers, um, running a running a tighter ship with a, a lot less overhead. Yep. But that's um, the key. <laughs> you know, it really does great things. Um, but you know, we we do a bunch of stuff. But we focus mostly on litigation. We okay. do have we do have a title company um, with with a real estate partner who's a you know great guy and had an excellent real estate lawyer. But for the most part, I, I try to focus on on insurance litigation. Got it, got it, got it. And do you, you find yourself you you take um, you suing like uh, related to like housing or suing related to like uh, uh, jobs and somebody having an accident at a job or you're suing because of um, discrimination or, you know, they got not, laid off and it not, was not a lot of discrimination or, or laid okay. off stuff like that. Okay. We sue, we sue a lot on, um, you know, employee theft. We sue the insurance company when there's coverage for that. Okay. We, we handle, um, I mean, we recently handled a claim where a, uh, a subcontractor had equipment that they had purchased and still, you know, they would paint down the loan. This was, you know, it was a, it was a geothermal um, engineering company, okay. and and from their yard they stole, like, I want to say three pieces of equipment that were worth right around a million dollars, you know, between the three, and they owed around six hundred thousand on them. And the insurance wow. company declined to cover. So when they declined, we stepped in and we got them paid. That's fantastic. And that's just you know an example. We've also represented thousands of homeowners on storm claims. Um, you know, uh, shopping centers, you know, uh, most of our, we don't advertise. We're not on TV, like Morgan and Morgan. Most of our, our, in fact, I'd say 95% of our work is, is referrals from, you know, uh, people in, in the business, whether yeah. it be realtors or contractors or adjusters, that and a lot of other lawyers too. They refer the work to us. Well, it's, it's interesting just to give people some color and, and our audience. So, you know, Ben, they're all over the world. I was looking at the analytics. We got people in Spain, Argentina, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, New York, all, just all around the world. You know, you, know, so, you mentioned you mentioned Spain, Peter. Yep. I, my wife and I had a great trip planned for seven days without our children, which is you know is the greatest thing in the world. And you get to travel with your wife and and no kids to Spain. We should have left on April first, and that went out oh. the window. <laughs> yeah. And were you able to get all your money back in terms of, or, or did they give you credits? Uh, you know, American was great, man. They, they gave everything back. No issue. Okay. That's at least good. That's at least good. So, so excuse me because of our, our, our audience, excuse me if I ask some real like uh, basic types of questions, but, but generally speaking, when you, when, when, you know, if you're somebody and you got a house and you got some problems there, or, you know, you have an insurance policy and something goes sideways, um, how easy is it to take on the big bad 
insurance company. I, I mean, are we talking about something that's a six month process? It's a year. They try to lawyer Peter, up. Peter, that is a, through the that, system. That, that is a bigger softball than tell me about yourself. <laughs> I mean, dude, I love you. If every interview was going to be like this, I would sound like the, the most amazing interviewee in the world. <laughs> nice. Let me tell you, showing up to your insurance company without a without a, a lawyer who specializes in insurance coverage is like showing up to a gunfight with your toothbrush. Got it. So, so yeah, just... they they lawyer up, they adjust her up, they make your life as, as as difficult as humanly possible. They put out proposals for settlement to try to settle for pennies on the dollar to mm-hmm. scare people and scare business owners that they're going to have to end up getting stuck paying yep. for attorney's fees. There are companies out there that when you file a claim, they will drop you and then they'll accuse you of um, of, of making misrepresentations. You can't even imagine the things that can go on out there. I could, I could talk for hours about these things. Wow, 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 wow. So it, it sounds like it is the big bad wolf and you're somebody that could be on, uh, you know, the business owner's um, um, uh, side, if you will. Yeah, business owners, homeowners, you know, basically any... You know what? Let, let's call them insured. Any okay. insured in the state of Florida yep. is, is someone that, you know, I, I, I have enjoyed representing and, and, and they're the kind of people who need services like mine, my law firm or someone else who specializes in it. Now, now, if it's somebody out there and again, it could be anywhere in the world. They could even be here in uh, the Gables or downtown Miami or anywhere else. What what should they anticipate? They go ahead, they, they they bring you on, they bring somebody else on, they want to take on the big bad insurance company because they felt like they didn't necessarily get what they were due. What 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 what's the minimum out of pocket they're looking at burning? Uh, and and how long is it gonna take? Is this like a four year process, a six month process? Generally speaking, and obviously the quality right. of the let's, attorney let's and other take, things. Let's take the two the, the question in two parts. Okay. Florida law um, is is pretty it's really good for the insured. The Florida legislature realized some years back that if you are damaged by your insurance company because they refuse to pay you and you're forced to sue them, mm-hmm. when you win, you get to recover all of your attorney's fees. So in these types of cases, most of the time, there is, there is no out-of-pocket expense for the individual or for the insured because yeah. let, let's say when you know the case is a let, – let, let's make it easy. Let's call it a, a theft – of a Sprint store, and they took $100,000 worth of phones. Okay. When we sue and we get them their money back after deductible, let's say they get $85,000, the carrier has to pay my fees separate from the money that was obtained by the Sprint store. Understood. And I use that example because we had something very similar to that recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and in order for – or how long is it going to take under with that scenario – Ultimately, you end up getting uh, your fees covered by by the uh, the insurer. insurance company. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and how, how long of a process is that? Generally speaking, that that depends. Um, some get resolved as quickly as two to three months. Okay. Some, when they really dig their heels and you know, and and, and they want to fight, I've seen cases that can take three to four years. Three to four years. And is yeah. that a situation where it takes three to four years because the insurance company is basically trying to just wear you out so you basically compromise or is that because of the due diligence and all of the discovery and everything else that's required it's a, com- it's, it's a combination of both it's also sometimes you just have bad luck and you're okay. getting ready to go to trial and then the judge retires or the judge moves to a different division 
and then Got you it. get sent to another judge, and that judge has a very cluttered uh, docket. And unfortunately, okay. you won't be heard for another 16 months. And carriers use this to their advantage. They try to squeeze people, and this is one of the methods they use. You'll never see a case that's set by a plaintiff's lawyer, by an insurance lawyer that mm -hmm. is set for trial, where the insurance company is not going to come in and move to try to continue that trial over and over and over again. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. You, you've got to fight them every step of the way, and you've got to really know what you're doing. Got it. And and um, so that's a normal circumstance. What what are we dealing with today? Because obviously, you know, the world's on lockdown with the COVID. Um, what, what, are you getting any word yet? I mean, are the courts open? What's the whole? Could could you just give you know layman's terms some perspective? Okay, that's that's actually a really really good question, Peter. See, um, I'm getting better. No more softballs. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question because I'll tell you, uh, last week I was I handled. I think it was six hearings on Zoom. Wow. So I go on my iPad and I see, I, I presume you, you've seen how Zoom works. Yes. It, yes. it, it, it looks like a, like a big teleconference of little squares on people's faces mm -hmm. um, where you have the judge, you have the judicial assistant, you've got sometimes the bailiff, and then you have 20 or 30 lawyers doing a motion calendar. And it actually, it's, you know, it, we're working through it pretty well and it's allowing, you know, the, uh, the court system to move in a time where no one is allowed to walk into the courthouse. So judges are handling these from their homes. Lawyers are handling these from their homes, sometimes their offices. And, you know, it's, it's really working out. However, there will be no jury trials in Miami-Dade County until at least July. Mm -hmm. So if you were set for trial in your insurance case on April 1st, you are now looking at at least a six-month delay. Oof. Because the first trials you're going to do are going to be the criminal trials. So okay. they're going to use all the jurors possible for that. So then by the time they get to the civil guys, and the civil guys are like, you know what? It's money. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, they can wait. This guy, this guy's rotting in jail and he wants his day in court. And he's got constitutional rights. Yep. So that's the big difference. You know, speedy trial re um, requirements, the Supreme Court of Florida pushed them back. I mean, they're really, this, this has been very difficult on the court system, particularly the criminal court system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Ben, again, because of the crowd, um, uh, I don't know who, who everybody is, what their knowledge level is of the system here. Um, if you are suing an insurance company, uh, do you have to have a jury or can you go by way of a judge? You can go by way of a judge and you're going to handle all your motion practice, all your discovery, your motions for summary judgment, your motions to dismiss, your motion to compel better responses, you know, that those types of things will be heard only by the judge. But at the end of the day, when you want to have your story heard at trial, yep. I recommend that you go in front of a jury because jurors are very sympathetic to what happens to insurance in the state of Florida and sure. how insurance companies and, and their bad faith and how they, they actually go about these things. So I find that it's very helpful to go in front of a jury. Got it. Got it. So, so Ben, we're coming up to the um, the end of this first segment. Um, before we break for a commercial, somebody wants to get a hold of you. How, how would what's the best way to reach you in terms of email, website, and uh, telephone number? Man, they can email me at Ben. Really easy, Ben B E N at A as in Apple, F as in Frank, D as in Delta, C as in Cat. So A F D C dot legal. L-E-G-A-L. Really easy. And, my, you know, I, I would normally give people my office number here in Miami. But right now, there's, there's not much going on there. If someone um, wants to reach out, email me. It's probably the best bet. So, Ben at 
afdc.legal. And your website is the same.com. Yes, sir. No, no, okay. not .com. afdc.legal. That, that legal. Pardon me. Pardon that me. legal. That yeah, legal. We, we're, we're trying to go away from the .com because technically we're not in commerce. We're in, we're in law, so we went with legal. Makes sense. Makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. And also it helps because we live in Miami. We do, you know, we do a lot of work with you know, people in, like you said, Spain, Argentina, Colombia. So the sure. word legal in Spanish is very easy for people to, to understand. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay, so we are going to take a break. Um, this is Peter Zaliski with the Condo Vultures podcast. On the other <laughs> side of um, our conversation, we're going to talk about business inter- interruption insurance. Whether you're a real estate brokerage, you are any kind of small business, anything like that, you have insurance, you're trying to get your cash, but what's the chance of you getting it? How do you go about doing it? Ben's going to give us some free legal advice. So you might not like attorneys, but you're going to like this attorney because he's actually going to tell you something you can use, actionable information. So stick through the commercial. We'll catch you on the other side. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast with Peter Zalewski. I'm joined here by Ben Alvarez. Ben is the founding partner of Alvarez, Feltman, Da Silva, and Costa, which is a litigation law firm located over in the Gables. Uh, ben, is it fair to say that you guys are a boutique firm or how do you sort of categorize yourself? Yeah, we're, we're, we're more of a litigation boutique than anything else. But we do uh, we do have a title company, so we do some transactional work. You do, and the lion's share of your business mostly southeast Florida, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County, Monroe, or do you go all over the state? Man, we we go from from the Panhandle to the Keys. Wow, uh, I'm very fortunate that um, as as you know, Peter, I, I went to the University of Florida for law school, mm-hmm. so I uh, I have friends all over the state. So whenever I need co counsel or an office or a conference room. I can just reach out to one of my old buddies and it allows me to work throughout the state. He said, interesting. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So Very, we, we built it up. Now we're going to, we want to sort of, we, 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 we want you to educate us, the crowd, the audience, uh, assume we're small businesses. We own small businesses and we were taking out insurance. We needed errors and omissions. We needed any other type of insurance. We also got business interruption insurance. So, could you sort of give us some perspective? Uh, what is business interruption insurance and why should we, why did we get it? Or if we didn't get it, why should we have gotten it? Okay. That is a, uh, we're going again to the softballs, huh? Yeah. That yep, is, yep. that is an excellent question. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Business interruption insurance is exactly what it sounds like. It is intended for when your business is not operational and you need to recover because you can't make any money and you've got to, still pay your overhead, you've got to pay employees, and the owner needs to, you know, needs to live and feed his family. That's what it's meant to be. Um, it's a very specialized insurance. Normally, it's done through either a general liability policy or a, a, some, some sort of um, uh, er, er, some errors and omissions policies carry them in there, but it's usually during your in, inside part of your general liability policy. And it's pretty interesting the way they're, they're framed because prior to SARS, 
which was, you know, some years back, Mm -hmm. they didn't have exclusions for viruses. Okay. After SARS, they started doing that, which is pretty interesting because um, they're they're all hanging their hat on, oh, you can't collect, it's a virus, it's a virus. In fact, I saw what I thought was just a a revolting uh, video. I think it was on, on MSNBC. Of, of a guy who just kind of blew my mind. A guy named David Sampson. He's the CEO of the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. Okay. He, you know, he, he's basically the a lobbyist for the insurance industry. And he was just saying that there is no way that you can afford coverage on COVID nineteen. That what these what these listen to this. That what these politicians are doing to try to extend coverage to business owners for business interruption was was listen to this was unconstitutional. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I mean, these insurance companies are the worst, all of them. And this guy who, who, who supposedly was a, was a high-ranking officer uh, in the George, George W. Bush administration, you know, he, you know, he's just up there talking about how many trillions of dollars they've paid in, 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 in policy um, claims. But, you know, what he's not talking about is the fact that the – CEO of one of the, I'm not going to say which one, the CEO of one of the major property insurance companies in Florida was paid $34 million in a bonus last year. Wow. And then they claimed they're broke. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole different conversation for another day. So generally speaking, if you have a business, let's just assume it's a real estate business, just, just because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep it like condo. Um, uh, sort of what the niches of the podcast. So assuming you got a real estate business, uh, you know, you got a location, you got some staff, you get, you, you know, receptionist, you, you have a finance department, things like that. Um, you've taken out insurance. You're, you're doing everything the normal way, everything that's recommended. Um, this business, business interruption insurance, is it going to cost you extra? Um, uh, or is it part of your overall typical insurance approach? It, it normally it normally costs you a little extra, but it's but it's most agents will recommend that you have it. Okay. And for example, for a real estate agency, um, it's it's a little different because let's say there's a fire, mm-hmm. and you're you can't open the you know your doors for three days or four days. You still have to pay your employees. You file your claim, and normally that those are the types of claims that they won't get paid right up front because carriers never want to pay. Sure. But they'll get paid eventually. This is a little bit different because of the exclusion for viruses. And I will tell you, I've handled already, my, my, my partners and I have seen, uh, I, I don't want to use the, the, the phrase hundreds, so let's use scores. We've seen scores of policies mm-hmm. um, where there is an exclusion for a virus, but there's no exclusion for a government shutdown. Um, we've seen others that don't have any exclusions whatsoever. We've seen others that have an exclusion for virus, that have an exclusion for excuse me, exclusion for pandemic, and that have one for even for government shutdown. So it all depends on the type of policy you get. It all depends on how well your agent sets you up and puts you in the in the right channel to get the right policy so that you will be covered in the event of a loss I like see. this. And, and those people who you've, uh, or those policies you've actually seen, you've been, you've been taking a look at, these are from uh, business owners, obviously, who are saying, hey, yes. I got this insurance policy. I ought to be able to collect on it. How do I collect on it? So the first thing they do is they reach out to you or somebody who does something like you to, to go up against the insurance company and try to figure out how do I get my money? That's effectively. That's, that's, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, we're handling one right now for, for a catering company. 
you know, and, and, and they have taken a massive hit. Wow. Now, this isn't a, and that's another thing that we've got to look at is how do you quantify the loss? Exactly. How, how do you set a number as to what the loss is? Because if you have a fire in your home, mm-hmm. you know, you, a contractor can come out and tell you, look, it's this much to redo the home. Sure. But right now, you need an accountant, a forensics accountant, to figure out how much you lost in business revenue. Yep. How much you, you would have spent or you spent on employee salaries, on bonuses. What was the cost of, of, of stopping the, you know, the business? What, what is the, what, what, what's going to be affecting you, not just now, but six months from now? True. You know, your, your, your loss of market share, you know, all these different areas that you've got to look at. So you need a, a good forensics accountant to come in and do the work for you. Sure, sure, sure. Because or else, you know, you, you've got to give the insurance company, tell them, hey, you got to pay me and you got to pay me this much. And generally speaking, from what you've seen, the policies you've taken a look at, at least related to business interruption, what what kind of deductibles are we talking about for you know, let's say a small business, you know, a couple employees, uh, not you know, obviously not nothing rock star, but something you know reasonable. You know, I, I got to tell you, the deductible it's it's going to be anywhere between twenty five hundred bucks and, and five grand, but who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, if you can collect your premium, yep. and you get everything in there, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar cap if we can get you 90 percent of that cap yep you know and you pay a five thousand dollar deductible heck you still got 85 grand oh yeah of course so the deductible is something that yeah you have to look at because certain policies might have a percentage of the full value of the claim as your deductible mm-hmm. and that can and that can, you know they do it with hurricanes i'm not sure if you know that um in florida the deductible for like uh let's say you have a again a fire in your home yep. deductible in most homeowner policies is 2500 bucks but if you have a hurricane loss, a deductible can be anywhere between two to ten percent of your loss, so, not of your loss, but of your coverage. Got it. So if you have a house that you insured for five hundred grand mm-hmm. and you have it on a ten percent, guess what? Your deductible is fifty grand. So before you make one penny, you've got to have greater than fifty thousand dollars worth of damage. So in these cases, it's not so um, prevalent and it's not so uh, important as it is in those. But it's still, you know, it's, it's a, you're absolutely right. It's a consideration you've got to take. In, in terms of timing, is there anything typically from what you've seen, just keeping it real simple at this point, anything you see in terms of timing, like, for instance, unemployment insurance. If you want to file for unemployment insurance, there's going to be a certain period of time before you can ultimately collect it and then it will ultimately expire. Is there any kind of statute of limitation that says, okay, if your business closed in March, therefore, you, if you're going to file on this, you have to file within 30 days or can you just run it out, build up that cash that you might need for the deductible and then turn around and file? What, 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 what do you say to that? Well. Well, remember, you're not going to need the cash for the deductible. Okay. You're not going to have to pay that up front. All right. Deductible will be taken out of whatever proceeds come back to you. Got it. Okay. So you don't need to, you don't need to worry about making that money up front. Thanks for clarifying. Number one. No, okay. No, no, absolutely. I, I, I probably wasn't clear enough before. For that, I apologize. But um, number one. Number two, what you've got to take into consideration is every insurance company, regardless of the statute of limitations, which on this type of claim, it would be, it would be five years to file a lawsuit. But what they have is they have a late notice defense. And what they're going to come in and say is, Oh, they reported their loss late because of that. We are prejudiced. That's, that's the key word prejudice. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we don't have to cover this loss. And they use that all the time. They lose a lot of times, but sometimes if someone takes too long, they do win. So your recommendation to somebody listening to this, they're saying, listen, we're still on lockdown. I want to come see Ben or I want to talk to Ben. 
Um, sure. But but how, how do I do it where I don't jeopardize my situation in terms of being able to collect on my insurance, but at the same time, I don't jeopardize my health, his health or, or anybody's families? Well, the first thing you've got to do is, you know, you, you, you've got to quantify your, your loss. I would start calling my CPA. Okay. And, you know, there's FaceTime, there is WhatsApp uh, video, there is Zoom, there's a million applications, there's Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would start talking to my accountant immediately, start putting together numbers so that when you file your claim in the next, you know, week or two weeks or whatever it may be, you actually have something to back it up. Yep. That would be the first step I would take. Not doing that kind of puts you at the mercy of the carrier. And look, they're going to do everything they can to deny your claim. Sure. So give yourself as much ammo as you can when you go forward and you file it. Now, I've, I've heard that um, there have been riders or there are riders. You can actually buy a rider when you get in your insurance that will basically cover pandemics and or viruses or anything like that is that can, can you address that is, is that true is that false is it uh, you know you you can you can buy a rider for just about anything they'll sell you i mean lloyd's of london in in uh in london that you know the the underwriters there they'll ensure your uh you know peter they'll, they'll ensure your tongue <laughs> to ensure that your that your podcast can keep going forward but there's a premium to but that and premium. you know if you want to have that type of coverage it's usually going to go substantially higher Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And um, the longer this shutdown occurs, uh, if it's if it's instituted by the state and or the city or the president, how does that sort of vary? Because there's certain language that's used, nat- national emergency, um, uh, uh, this, that. What, what are the key words we should listen for when we know it's being said because it will trigger um, you know, some sort of actions or the elimination of certain process or anything like that. Any keywords you can throw out just as like a rule of thumb? I, I, mean, I mean, you said it right. Lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, shutdowns, all these are all, you know, terms of art. Okay. But they all basically mean the same thing. All right. All right. I mean, have you, have you been driving around Miami lately? Uh, I, I've been in a couple Uber rides, uh, windows down, mask on. But yeah, yeah, I've seen a little bit. There's nothing open. There's, there's, no, there's nothing open. There's no traffic. No, there's not. There, you know, it, it, it would take me normally half an hour to get from Key Biscayne to my. Yeah. Fifteen minutes. So it it would normally take you half an hour to get from Key Biscayne to so downtown uh, Coral Gables, and now it's fifteen minutes. Now it's literally, the moment I cross the Rickenbacker, which is about ten minutes from my home, I'm in my office yep. in, in five minutes, straight down US one. Got it. 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 So we we kind of understand the business interruption insurance. Um, we, we, we sort of understand by, the by, by, the, understand by the, the way, Peter, nobody really understands the business interruption insurance and what's going to happen right now. I can tell you that there is so much stuff flying everywhere because it, it's, it's going to be a hell of a legal battle, but it's going to be, a, I, I, I trust that eventually it's going to fall on the right. Uh, I should say it's going to fall on the side of, of the right, which is, which is, you know, the, the right thing to do, which is provide coverage to these businesses, not hang their hat on these BS exclusions. And I'm hoping that's what's going to happen. But and, and ha- as we sit here, no I'm one's sorry. got a clue what the heck's going to happen. But we're hopeful. This is obviously unprecedented. Well, or you look at the Spanish flu in 1918, whatever the... Yeah, but in, 19, in 1918, it, people were on a horse and, and carriage. 
Exactly. <laughs> you know, now we have electric cars that drive themselves. True. True. What What about legal precedent? Anything come to mind when you're going through and you're looking at case law? Anything that come to mind that might be eh, at least comparable in terms of a situation? Is a Hurricane Andrew, let's say in a microcosm of say South Dade, you know, is that any? Is is a Wilma? Is there? Is Honestly, there, has there been anything? Peter, yeah. No. No, okay. because I'll tell you, Hurricane Wilma, you know, or, or Hurricane Andrew, you know, the, the, the neighbor next to you, his roof may have flown off, but your house is perfectly fine. True. So you're not going to file a claim. The neighbor will, but what exclusion do they have? Because there was coverage yep. for a hurricane and a hurricane came through. Now, there may be a, an argument as to valuation. How much should we give you? But that there's coverage, there's coverage. I really, yep. you know, I, I, we had a case at some federal court that um, it's actually up on appeal right now, but it's a case where it was an issue where the dust from a construction project damaged the awnings of a very high-end restaurant mm-hmm. in the city of Miami. And the issue was whether the dust was enough to trigger damage or not. Now that's, that's going to be decided by the, by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals up in Atlanta. But as we sit here today, we don't know which way they're going to go because the law's on both sides. I think that's kind yeah. of similar to this situation, but we're going to find out what, you know, what's going on. We're going to, the next, the next few months will be very telling. Now I, I was throwing around keywords uh, to me, like triggers or whatever the case may be. What, what, what does the act of God mean? And is there any legal significance to the Abs- phrase? Act absolutely. Of act of God is, is force majeure. It's something that's beyond their control. A hurricane is an act of God. Okay. A virus may be an act of God. But if it was, if it's found later on that it was created in a lab in Wuhan, China, then it's not an act of God. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. The, the uncertainties. I mean, there is no doubt that when um, Hurricane Dorian came and, and, and hit Central Florida last September, yep. we knew what it was. That was an act of God. Yep. But if this turns out to be something that it's not being uh, disclosed to the, you know, to, to the people of the country right now, then hell, who the hell knows? In is there a body, is like the, uh, the World Health Organization, is there a body that will declare it, it's a virus, it's, a, uh, uh, it's an act of God, it's a, uh, it's a conspiracy, is, is there anything from a legal perspective that once so-and-so declares it X, therefore everybody can move forward, or Y, or is it always going to be like gray, gray area? It's going to be gray unless the United States says blank, and then that's okay. the law of the land because the U.S., you know, the... What, what the World Health Organization or the EU or any of these other people say isn't going to mean much. So it's the CDC gets to decide a lot. And then, and okay. then, and then Congress and the, uh, and the president, uh, you know, act on that. But I don't think, I don't think the WHO is going to do much. Got it. Now, now I, I brought up, I brought up Andrew, Hurricane Andrew, which was a hurricane that basically devastated South Dade. Did you live here back then? Uh, 1992. No, I got, I got down here, um, Effectively, a year later, I got here in uh, Q3 of '93 when everybody was starting. Uh huh. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was saying when everybody basically got their insurance payoffs from what some people called Saint Andrew, much like Saint (laughs) Nick giving out gifts. They took their money from Saint Saint Andrew. They went up to Miramar, which had uh, uh, houses which were unsold. They started buying houses and basically uh, left Homestead behind and moved up to Miramar. So that that's when I got here. But I remember the the Humvees. Driving down US wow. one. I was a I was a junior in college, 
And I remember that um, it was pretty crazy down here, man. Because my, my, my birthday is uh, in late August. So my birthday was right after Hurricane Andrew. That was not a fun birthday. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. For, for what it's worth, um, if you do have time, and God knows we all have time, there's a book written by Carl Heisen, a uh, uh, former calendar for the Carl Heisen is awesome. Yep. The, the book is called Stormy Weather. It's fiction, but it's based on Miami, so it's effectively nonfiction. So if you want a great read, Stormy Weather, Carl Heisen, it's about Hurricane Andrew and the aftermath of it. That's awesome. I'm actually writing it down right now. I, I like Carl Heisen's column a lot. I, I've read a couple of his things, but this is a Stormy Weather I haven't heard of. That's going to be fun. Stormy Weather, yeah. Yeah, so so going back to uh, Hurricane Andrew, and um, what, what, what I wanted to ask you about there is, um, insurance companies and bankruptcy. What what peace of mind should people have that they have this um, business interruption insurance from an insurance company? But insurance companies have gone BK before. Um, is it, it any advice you can offer? Do you get your policy in first and you become a creditor if there's a bankruptcy? Is there? Uh, is there remember, people need to keep it's, in mind it's, it's to that? a little different in Florida. In Florida, you have something called FIGA, which is the okay. Florida Insurance Guarantee Association. Okay. So when an insurance company goes under, FIGA takes over as the receiver, and they seek to pay out the claims in a, in a way that works for everyone. Um, I would tell you that 70% of the time, FIGA works very well. The 30% are very nasty litigation cases that, um, mm-hmm. that end up uh, uh, you know, going to the Supreme Court uh, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis. So yeah, that's uh, it's it's a concern, but it's not something that I would worry about too much. Peter. It, it, is, is timing an issue? Um, is it like the SBA loan program where if you got your application in, you got a chance of probably getting the money? No. Versus no. if you waited too long, no. then basically you're out. You're out. No, not really. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think okay. so. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's not a situation where there's a, there's a very specific pot of money and it's going to go out. And frankly, it's also not a situation where you're going to have a lot of players going in seeking monies from that bot when they're not entitled to it. I mean, you saw what happened with uh, Ruth Chris and Shake Shack. Yes. So, you know, that's that doesn't happen here. You've got a yeah, policy. For anybody who, yeah, anybody who hasn't read, uh, basically two large restaurant uh, companies publicly traded were able to get secure um, PPP uh, coverage, which are effectively loans that would be forgiven if you to maintain uh, employees. So these big uh, uh, publicly traded companies were able to get cash while small business owners uh, couldn't get anything. So that's the controversy with uh, Shake Shack and uh, Ruth Chris and as well as others. I think there were like seven publicly traded yeah, companies. Yeah, absolutely. I just, those are the two that come to mind because I happen to yep. frequent both of them. Yep. Or, yep. or at yep. least I yep. used to. Yeah, at least you used to. Exactly. Exactly. So um, uh, we're, we're sort of coming to the end of the podcast. It went uh, in terms of our discussion. I'm wondering, could can you sort of give the audience just some the, the takeaway? Um, you know, they they have the insurance. What should they be doing in their minds and in, in, in terms of their actions now that they're still on lockdown? What what should they do so they're locked and loaded? So when it all clears, the smoke clears, if you will, the virus sort of cools down. Um, so then they can come see you or see another um, uh, attorney or litigator. What, what, what would be your recommendation to them? Get your policy in order. Start talking to your accountant to get your financials in order to see what your losses actually are, see what your loss of revenue is, you know, your, your, your loss of potential income, 
you know, your loss of business, get everything lined up so that when this thing settles on a little bit, you can actually come in and properly file your claim and be one of the first to get in there and get paid. Makes sense. Makes sense. Ben, anything else you want to add before we sort of uh, wind it down? Only that um, I, I, I urge people to be very, very diligent. I, I urge business owners to really take every step to quantify their losses. Talk to your accountant. You've got to be in communication with your accountant so you can file a proper claim. And once you have that information, file the claim. Or even if you don't have it, file the claim and tell them that it's coming. But be very, very diligent in your actions. If someone wants to talk to me, they can reach my office at 786-409-6000. Once again, 786-409-6000. Or as you asked me earlier, Ben at AFDC.legal. And I'll be happy to answer any questions for your, for your listeners, Peter. And more importantly, thank you so much for having me on. I've had a very good time talking to you today. And I didn't give you too many softballs, I hope. No, no, you were great, man. Thanks, Ben. That's Ben uh, Alvarez. He's the founding partner of Alvarez, Feldman, Da Silva, and Costa in uh, Coral Gables, Florida. As you can see, no bullshit, right to the point. <laughs> you guys do have questions about insurance or this um, uh, uh, some of these different policies. Make sure to reach out to Ben or somebody at his firm. They can they can help you out. So that concludes this segment of the Condo Vultures podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski. Catch up with us on the other side, and we're going to be talking about some other issues that pertain to the South Florida condo market. Challenging times for real estate call for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBR Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski. This is episode five. This is a very interesting part of the podcast. What we're finding out from some of our uh, listeners is that we have a roundtable. We got three former journalists, myself included, who are going to kick around three headlines that were occurring down here in South Florida this particular week. We'll discuss it. We'll give you some perspective. Some of it will be dark. Some of it will be bright and happy. So uh, get ready, buckle up, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I have Oscar Musabai. He is a partner in the public relations for, and marketing firm Influence Communication. That's me. How are you doing, Oscar? Everything's great. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do, do it. it. Dolly. Dolly. <laughs> and then we have uh, John Fackler. John Fackler is a former white-collar crime and co public corporations journalist. He now does public relations and marketing. He has his own firm. How's it going there, John? Good afternoon, fellows. Fellows. All right. Fellows. Huh. Interesting. Oh, I think he said fellows. Fellows, okay. That's oh, fellas, like in good fellas. Oh, got good it, got fellas. it, got it. Oh, that's the Long Island thing, the whole boiler room boy thing. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Speaking of that, I've been watching Billions. Um, How's that? I don't know if you guys, have, if you haven't seen it, yeah. that show is amazing, absolutely amazing program. All right. So Billions. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, something to check out. So um, we're going to do the three uh, headlines. I'm going to start off more of a macro. John has a more of a micro piece. And then uh, Oscar has a piece that is a little bit more uh, theoretical uh, in nature, if you will. So um, here's my headline. It comes out of CNBC. Headline is the U.S. will need to spend trillions more as the economy as uh, more as economy takes until 2022 to fully recover. 
Think about that. We're in Q2 of 2020. They're saying we need at least two years and a, a bunch of more money in order to get going. Here's basically the lead. The economy could take one to two more years to rebound to full strength. And the Federal Reserve and Congress, having already committed historic sums to fight the coronavirus pandemic, will have to commit trillions more. Mm. What say you, Oscar? Is this bullshit? Is this uh, an effort to try to build the uh, the coffers of the feds? Or do you think this is actually necessary? What, what, what are you hearing on the street? And what's, what's your reaction? I mean, in terms of uh, recovery, it's hard to define because all the issues we've been talking about are, are only beginning now and involved with a few, the local 355, which is uh, for hospitality workers and they're getting crushed right now. And it's only the beginning. I mean, people are trying to file for money through the systems are crashing and they're not able to log in. So not only do we have to restart the uh, economy, but consider that restaurants alone. Normally, let's say there's 50 to 100 tables in a restaurant, in a large restaurant, maybe 25 to 50 in a smaller one. And you got to turn those over every hour or else you're not going to make your your rent. And if they allow the restaurants to come back, you're only going to be able to have, let's say, half of those tables available or maybe it's a quarter. So you're not going to be able to have the turnover and your rent and everything that you you pay your overhead is based on how many tables you can turn over in a night. And sometimes it's seasonal. So you make all your money during Christmas or you make all your money during winter season when all the Canadians are here and the tourists are here and the weather is unbelievable. So all these things have to be understood that it's going to take some time to actually feel how bad it's going to be. And for that to percolate out into the market. And we're only seeing the beginning. So, so 2022 seems realistic. To I you? think it's realistic. Yeah. Wow. 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 So we're talking two years of this, yeah. two years of, of sort of baby steps, two steps forward, one step back. I think it's going to be that kind of a thing because we still haven't seen the full force of how many people are going to get sick. Winter is coming and supposedly we're going to have flu season and this still in the works. So it's going to be difficult. Now that's not to say that we can't make it through the food banks are getting overwhelmed and we just have to understand that this is going to be, a grind and we all have to give a little, we all have to give a little or else it's not going to work. It's not going to be a hundred, hundred percent full speed and uh, we'll get there. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I was listening to the WLRN, which is the NPR affiliate down here in Miami. And today on sundial, they had on the chief of police of Miami, who by the way has uh, uh, COVID-19, he caught it. So that was sort of the topic. Yes. One of the things they were discussing was crime. And other than car theft, supposedly all major crimes are down significantly to the point where there hasn't been a murder in Miami in something uh, close to two months, wow. if you can imagine that. Wow. So at least we don't have looting going on, at least uh, uh, of the stores, but I'm sure they're looting the coffers yes. up on Wall yes. Street. <laughs> well, all the stories that are coming out right now on a national level are talking about how 
you know, uh, public companies are getting some of the stimulus money. And that's a really crazy situation because there are no limits on paying executives or paying dividends or buybacks or anything else. So what do you think the companies are going to do? So it's, it's, uh, it's slow going. I think that realistically, the government, the federal government has to be willing and open to funding a lot, uh, a lot more of the economy for six to nine months, at least, at least, because when things start to get to, to move forward a little bit, you can't just pull the rug out and say, okay, we're going to stop the money. It's, it can't work that way. Yeah. Hey, hey, John, you've been, you used to write about white collar crime. How, how fertile is the land right now to go in there and pull some serious hustles? Oh boy. You know, that's, it's very memorable. Um, This seems like a opportune time for hucksters and, you know, fraudsters to jump in on this. And, uh, I really think the Fed, the feds need to come down with some very strict guidelines on this. Um, otherwise, especially in Florida, all hell's going to break loose. I think, um, that said, I'm not as, uh, uh, pessimistic as, uh, Oscar is. I believe the, uh, turnaround, you're looking at more like Q4 2021, maybe. Um, so I'm sort of in between Trump who thinks he's, it's, you know, third, fourth quarter this year and the 2020 prediction. I'm thinking maybe late 2021. And what, what's your rationale for 21, late 21? Um, I think that there's uh, people going to start get, uh, getting their footing uh, by the end of this year, the first part of next year, as to what really the realistic, you know, thing as far as the testing goes, where we really are, you know, once this thing shakes out, and if it shakes out that you know we're on the uh, we're on the right track, then probably the chances are things will turn around by the end of next year. You know, I was I was listening to some reports today on CNBC, and there's talk that um, I don't know how many different potential vaccines are being tested right now, right. and and all the countries are lobbying to be the first one to get the vaccine right. because that'll mean the entire economy can um, open up while the rest of the world is struggling behind. So there could be dominance, kind of like a cage match or an MMA match. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. But I don't know if you saw that. Uh... I think it was yesterday that Mike Pence, the vice president, explained that when he, you know, weeks ago was giving estimates on how quickly they would be able to produce a million tests. He wasn't saying that the tests would be uh, actionable, that the tests would actually be functioning. <laughs> what he was talking about was the mechanical test, not the all the other pieces that you need as a package to make the tests work or even the capacity like human beings to, to be able to administer the test or locations to have the test. He wasn't talking about any of that. He was just talking about producing the test. The, the, like if you had four or five pieces of the test, he was talking about the main piece, maybe the, as a metaphor, the box for all the parts you need. Right. And can you imagine that? So all of these ideas that uh, the federal government has been talking about that, that, uh, President Trump has been talking about that Pence has been talking about has been based on a misdirection. You know, talk about being fleeced. Talk talk about you know uh, a time for getting scammed. This is what's happening right now. So that's part of the problem that we have here is that we don't. And and I agree with you one hundred percent, John. The testing is the key to making this thing 
manageable over a long period of time, but we don't have anywhere near the, the testing infrastructure to be able to really understand where this thing is going. And sure, we can we can't even get out the twelve hundred dollars exactly. Exactly. I, I haven't even received yes. it yet. One hundred percent. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and a lot of a lot of things being said on a national level that don't really give you a sense of where we're standing. And that's part of the reason why I'm pushing our return farther out because at this point Makes there's sense. no way to realistically project forward because we have no idea we have really really have no idea what's going on especially when you have contradictions where you have the president saying one thing and people like fauci saying the exact opposite in the in the same meeting it's it's uh it's beyond uh anything that i that i've ever read about in history or seen in my lifetime so and 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 dr fauci doctor what's his title just for um so we can name him because you referenced Fauci. So the audience listening, in case they don't know who he is. I know he's head of immunology, I believe, but let me get his exact okay. title. Okay. Let's move. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Basically, he's on the president's task force related to COVID. Yeah. He's a scientist. Yes. He's one okay. of the main scientists. Um, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. Now, now let's talk a little bit about what some of the scams that are already starting to surface. John, you got a good one. Why don't you um, why don't you read the headline? Tell us a little. Yeah, this about one's it. a hellacious one. This was out on uh, Channel Ten News uh, last week. Um, basically, a Miami home, homeowner uh, in a nightmare situation, unable to sell a home due to a woman living Ill- there illegally. Why? <laughs> <laughs> she essentially is a squatter who drew up fake uh, lease. Uh, All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, so basically, a South Florida homeowner was thro- threatened with arrest after trying to force strangers out of a house that she owns. Um, and, you know, basically, she comes home. There's this woman living in a house. She's got a fake lease. She says, no, I live here. And she's squatting. So, of course, the woman calls the cops. And as you know, there's a moratorium. The, the owner, the, the, the true owner of the, the house. The owner of the house. As you know, there's a moratorium on evictions. So she calls the cops. The cops come down and say, sorry, nothing we can do. And if you if you persist, we're going to put you in jail. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's a legitimate that she owns it. According to property owners, It's a she bought the house for 172000 in 2018. And she fixed it up and briefly rented it out. But then she decided to sell the home. So with the buyer in place, she had the money. Money was already in escrow. So what she didn't know is that someone had already moved into the house, a woman and a whole family. And wow. uh, oh it, was a, it was actually a fake lease. So, I mean, you know, this is one of those only in Miami stories, of course. But still, this could happen literally anywhere. Um, but, yeah, so the cops came. Yeah, and, and that was it. They said, no, we'll put you in jail if you, if you, you know, you put a formal complaint in. Um, as you know, they, they can't evict anybody. Wow. Yeah. Possessions nine tenths of the law, as they say. So once you're in there, uh, the landlord's got to work hard to get you right. out. Right. So, now, now, what what's interesting is for those people who aren't aware of this, during the Great Recession in Miami, guys would move into places, and when the lender would take title to the property after foreclosure, the the tenant who was living there legally or illegally 
basically would ask ask for money for moving expenses. The typical payoff was three to five grand, and they came to be called cash for keys. So this sounds like a money grab by this tenant. Not only is she getting a free place to live, but if the landlord wants her out, she's gonna have to give her a couple grand to pack her shit and leave. Yeah. What 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 do you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like she said, there was a quote. She said she was stuck with a moratorium that includes squatters and fake leases. <laughs> so, I mean, it's uh, really hard to believe, but uh, you know, it is what it is. And then I guess, Oscar, your uh, your headline. Well, before I do that, so Fauci is director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and worked under Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and now Donald Trump. So he's he's been around. Anyway, uh, so there's a story in the Herald that talks about uh, flooding and issues related to sea rise. And before she left for the White House, uh, the chief resiliency officer for the state of Florida drafted a report to Governor Ron DeSantis. And it talks about what steps they should take to deal with rising seas and temperatures by 2030. And the Herald got a hold of this report, even though it was it was basically unreleased. So it's very interesting. I mean, some of the stuff is is very familiar if you're following the sea rise as an issue and how it could impact our economy. It's, it's familiar, you know, it's talking about water coming up from the porous limestone, like in, in places like Miami beach, you can't stop it. It's not like you could cover the f- floor with asphalt. It's going to come up one way or another. Right. So these types yeah. of things are yeah. going to, are going to impact uh, property values. That's what it talks about. And, um, and it also talks about, uh, the actual climate change that there are going to be more hurricanes. There's going to be stronger hurricanes. And we've already seen some of that. Now we can't say 100% with authority that this is all related to um, a specific period of time. Right. Meaning yep. that right now it's, it's uh, at level two and then in a year it's going to be at level five and in a year it'll be 10. They can't do that, but what they've been able to see is is that we're getting hit a lot. So if we keep getting this kind of volume of hurricanes over a long period of time, then we're going to say, okay, well, this is a real change. Something has has happened in the environment. And what she's saying, she's giving a blueprint that includes steps that are already in the works, like stricter building codes, but also potentially controversial measures, according to the Herald Light, disclosing flood risk to home buyers and home buyouts and vulnerability studies for cities and counties. Now, vulnerability studies, I know, are in the offing in different places. Home buyouts specifically. Now, that to me is a very interesting scenario and also one that could be extremely costly for any municipality. So consider this this whammy that we're getting. So the local governments are have huge budget holes because of the fact that people aren't spending the same money that there isn't as much real estate transacting that tax, you know, not as many taxes are being paid because nobody has any money. So then you have this situation where cities are supposed to be buying or local governments are supposed to be buying out whole neighborhoods that are going to flood. Where are they going to get that money? So it's, it's a very interesting situation. Now, there was also a case study that was released by this McKinsey group 
houses at risk of flooding could lose five to 15% of their value in the next decade and between 15 and 35% of their value by 2050. So there's no question insurance premiums are going up. And this is the part of the, of the story that really blew my mind. It said flood prone communities are due for a serious price hike next year when the national flood insurance program, which holds more policies in Florida than anywhere else recalculates its rates. Now, remember the last time that happened and I live in Miami beach. So I remember it very clearly. They were talking about bringing the rates in line with the models. And basically it made my house unaffordable you know, I'm sure most people lived on the beach. So, well, guess what? I'm going to have to leave because it's going to blow out not only property values, but it's going to it's going to require a shift in population. With all these people leaving, where are they going to go? Where am I going to go? Where is my family going to go? So I think that these are, you know, but but the but but the flip side is if you come out and you announce all the areas that are in danger, who? Who's going to buy it from the seller? So if anything, it might be a situation where the state can pick up the dirt relatively cheap because no one else is going to touch it. Oh, yeah. It. There's no question. But the significance is that most people have real estate as their nest egg for retirement. So in terms of yep. wealth, personal wealth, that's going to blow an yep. enormous hole in the personal wealth of a lot of people. And like you said, the, the government can maybe buy a lot of this property cheap, but the people who live there, they're not going to be able to sell their property. So that entire value system that they had set up is, is gone. Yep. Now, you know, the, the, the other thing is a lot of investors, when they come to South Florida, especially if they don't uh, live here full time, they, they don't have that horizon. They have a horizon of three, five, seven years. The cycle is typically seven to 10 years. So the ones I've dealt with basically could give two shits. Because they're going to be in, they're going to be out. It can, you know, it might not flood for 30 years. And under that scenario, they can do three transactions, one every 10 years and still get out before, you know, mm-hmm. the seas rise. Yeah. Well, it just paints a, a very difficult picture to deal with in, yeah. in terms of uh, where we're at and where we're going to be. And uh, the reality is that a significant amount of our economy is based on real estate. So, Again, this is a very yep. challenging situation that is going to require a generational kind of leadership where people say, we're going to commit to this this plan of figuring out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And we're going to invest in it for a long period of time because every city is going to be affected. It's not like Miami Beach is alone in a sense on an island, right? And uh, if Miami beach sinks like atlantis uh that liberty city and downtown miami are unaffected you know i mean what's going to happen is as those places as downtown miami also floods then places like liberty city are going to be more valuable more desirable and it's going to create a shift that's going to push a lot of people out and these are the realities of what we're seeing with all these you know people all over the world becoming uh you know uh landing on people's on countries' doorsteps and saying we need help and this is it's going to happen on a smaller level all along the coast yep 
That's a good point. John, you want to add anything? Uh, no, it's okay. Thanks. Were, were you napping? <laughs> Sorry, we didn't mean to wake you. No, I'm just, I'm having a hard time hearing him. A little bit of a connection problem. So I... Oh. Okay. Okay. So um, I, I'll tell you what, why don't we, why don't we end this yeah. segment here? Um, we'll go to the commercial. We'll come back from the commercial and we'll get to the comment section. Hopefully John can get his, um, his hearing uh, uh, figured yeah. out. So you're listening to the Condo Vultures podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski. I have Oscar Busabai and John, <laughs> the heart of hearing John Fackler on the line. Um, we're going to go into commercial when we come back on the other side. We're going to get into the comment section. We got some more comments from you, our listeners. So uh, we'll see you on the other side. Hi, this is Oscar Musabai from Influence Communications. In this age of coronavirus, nothing is more important than keeping your current customers and attracting new ones. And at Influence Communications, we are expert at reaching out to the media and letting them know that your business is open and the services that you provide. And our expertise is in adaptation, helping businesses change their messaging on a regular basis to make sure that they are keeping up with what is happening and what the market is demanding. And we also specialize in reaching out to Spanish language media to get your story out. So please call me, Oscar Musabai, 786-348-9257. That's 786-348-9257. 786-348-9257. Thank you. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski. As mentioned, we have Oscar Musabai from Influence Communication, and we also have John Fackler on, um, on the podcast. Gentlemen, the comment section is turning uh, into a very interesting section. Our audience is, is always uh, told or asked if they have any comments about we're doing things right, we're doing things wrong, uh, so-and-so's great, so-and-so sucks, uh, this is a topic to discuss. We encourage you to reach out to us. You can reach out to us at inquiry at condovultures.com inquiry at condovultures.com and um here's some of the comments we got this week john uh why don't you read us comment number one okay um this one comes from a regular listener Ilya. um big fan yeah Ilya again big this fan. is a habitual <laughs> offender repeat offender. he has a comment uh he, he. he has a comment for previous guest uh, the title lady um and he says uh title lady is a swing and a miss for me but probably would be use, very useful for the people that don't know what title companies are. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to run title lien search in bulk and not to pay through the roof falling so far. I'm sure failing so far, excuse me. I'm sure title companies are outsourcing the services elsewhere. Uh, second part is always fun. I guess he's talking about the round table. Tell Oscar, it is too late. I'm scheduled for a sex change operation <laughs> as soon as the virus is done with. <laughs> That's because, um, and, all right, because we mistook the name. No. I, I, you you mistook, Oscar. I, I did, did. I did. It's true. I mistook it. I mistook it. You're 100% right. There we go. That's <laughs> accountability for you. Uh, so Ilya uh, goes on to say, too much doom and gloom. Looks like Meat prices will go up. I'll be a temporary. Went on a call with SLC landlords, people renting places in Port St. Lucie. They are staying positive, but in July there will be pain unless there are Section 8. Unemployment thing is a shame. The statistics are just ridiculous. 
Plus, there are plenty of people who didn't file or can't file. It is crazy, but probably this is done by design. I'm failing to understand how one can F up the website and back-end development. But Obama's care website was failing for, pe for people for a couple of weeks as well. Good point. So what to do next? What are we doing? Opportunities? Discounts? When? Any topics for the next podcast? Warm regards. Interesting. So, Elian, thanks for uh, writing out again. Um, as to the title lady, that's uh, Clarita Rosa. If anybody hasn't listened to podcast number four, I'd encourage you to do so. It's a title agent who's been in the business for 30-something years. Basically gives you the ins and outs of title. Also talks about some of the key aspects of it, as well as ways to get titled closed. In other words, deals done during the pandemic and social dist uh, distancing. So, uh, you know, at, at the very least, if you have any interest or any uh, curiosity in title, it's, it's a conversation worth, um, worth listening to. In terms of running your own title, all I can offer is roll up the sleeves, make sure you have an internet connection, and get on um, uh, clerk of the court records, as well as the city where the property is located. You can look up any and all filings that are pretty much related to that. Now, you're up in, uh, Ilian, you're up in uh, Treasure Coast. I'm not sure how well uh, they are connected in terms of their public records. But a lot of the counties in South Florida, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County, you can pull most of that stuff as long as you know where to look. But it does take effort. So if you don't want to burn the cash, you're going to burn the hours trying to get it. And so did you explain title insurance? Uh, the title insurance, basically a title company comes forward, okay, but good. it's in the podcast, podcast number four, uh, uh, title insurance basically is a company that goes through, they do due diligence. They make sure that there's nothing, um, That's right. uh, encumbering the title. And then they write an insurance policy in case something happens. Uh, once, uh, the buyer takes title in case something was discovered, uh, after the deal closes that occurred, uh, when the title company was actually, right. um, uh, I think it's good that you explain stuff like so, that. But, but, but it's all explained. I mean, in, in every podcast, if, if the topic comes up, and you do a great job of that, because sometimes people are listening to the latest podcast first instead of the other way around. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So that would be podcast number four. Anything and everything you need to know about title we have in that podcast, as well as real-time uh, perspective as to how deals are actually getting closed right now. Transacted. Yeah, it's very complicated. I guess comment hey. number two, John. John, <laughs> much, hey, how's the hearing going? Much better. Get your hearing you. back. <laughs> All, right. All right, good. Okay, this one is from uh, Manuel, another uh, regular listener and fan of Oscars. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, these guys are either <laughs> bored or inspired. Yeah. And I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. That we, we, we love the comments. Anybody wants to send a comment in, send it to inquiry yeah, at condovultures.com. I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. And this is a, you know, these are well thought out as well. So, um, so Manuel says, okay. hello, everyone at Condo Vultures podcast series out of 2020. I feel your team is very informative and on target with the issues we face in this crisis. I look forward to each and each new podcast and speaker now with growing interest. We have and will continue to have a different reality than that we are accustomed to, but we must continue to overcome the obstacles and succeed because our welfare and that of our families are at stake. What you are creating here in Miami with your podcasts is a beacon of life for us 
in an otherwise perfect storm. This is a great project. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So um, Manuel has uh, several questions, um, and I'll just read those to you now. Peter, in this last podcast, you mentioned the example of the oil industry, that they are actually playing with customers, uh, paying their customers to buy their oil, and that we will see this in, in real estate. Is this a scenario that might play out in the commercial real estate sector with properties entering the special servicing status on their mortgages? Yeah, so I, I can't imagine a scenario where you're right. paid to take a property off their hands. I can see where you're paid to manage a property. George Perez of the Related Group. Um, the Related Group is the, the largest condo developer in Florida, especially vertical. Uh, during the last downturn, they gave back so many units that they weren't able to sell during the Great Recession that uh, his firm was paid to manage the Icon Brickle which is about an 1,800-unit project, 350-plus-story towers, right there on Brickell and the uh, Miami River. They were paid to manage it, and they were also uh, uh, they also made money reselling the units, even though they gave back title to the lender. So I can see a scenario like that. On an individual basis, uh, the closest I think you're going to get is land. Some guys who have vacant land, they bought it, they got it entitled so they could build a condo tower, they could build a house. When the market goes to hell like it is going, land typically loses most of its value. And I would tell you probably trades for 10 to 20 cents on the dollar. So that's not giving you money. But if you buy it and can ride it, basically, it's going to put a lot of money in your pocket. Oscar, yeah, the, do you have any thoughts the on retail that? commercial market is going to take an enormous hit. So you're going to see properties on the market. I mean, right now you're seeing a lot of empty spaces in shopping centers or individual um, buildings that have empty space on the ground floor that was fully leased two months ago. So that area is hemorrhaging. And on the other side, the industrial district, the industrial commercial is doing extremely well because everyone's at home and you need people to uh, store the stuff that you're going to order online. So that is in high demand and pricing is very strong and that's going to continue for a long time. And what I'm reading is that as we gear back up, people are going to rethink how these businesses are going to have to operate in the future. So maybe it's, it's about downsizing. So we'll see how that shapes up in the next 12 months and what comes back and at what speed. So if you out there are listening, you have any questions, you have any suggestions, you want to make any points about uh, what we're discussing, what we should be discussing, we encourage you to send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Thank you for listening to episode five, and uh, we'll catch you next week with a brand new episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Ciao. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. This is episode 11 in our podcast series. And we basically spent the first 10 weeks trying to figure out uh, what we want to be when we grow up. 
And one of the things that sort of emerged is that we were doing interviews of guests who are very interesting and getting, uh, generating a lot of interest. We're also having um, some discussions with former journalists about what was really going on on the ground and sort of how to interpret the headlines um, of the articles that were coming out sort of describing what was going on in the South Florida economy as well as in the real estate market. And what really appeared to sort of emerge or surface is that uh, both items or concepts, a guest interview as well as a roundtable discussion uh, of experts, um, sort of, they need their own real estate. They need their own turf. So what we're going to do in podcast um, episode number 11 is we're actually going to break out the roundtable. We're going to make it as a standalone um, series. The goal is to get it out every Tuesday. Our guest interviews, we're going to get out every Thursday. At least that's the best case scenario. That's what we're shooting for right now. And what we want to do for our roundtable, which is what this episode is all about, is we want to have four individuals, myself included, uh, kicking around some of the biggest headlines that have occurred within the last week that will impact the South Florida real estate uh, market, as well as the local, as well as the national economy. Gets people to, to get, sort of give you straight talk as to what's going on in the trenches. So for this first uh, episode of the four-member roundtable, what we did is uh, we relied on our regular contributors, which is Oscar Musabai. Oscar's a former real estate reporter. He now is a partner in a public relations and marketing firm called Influence Communication. We also relied on John Fackler. John uh, used to write about white-collar crime. He also wrote about publicly traded companies that were primarily based in South Florida. He now, too, also does public relations and marketing. He has his own uh, consultancy. Now, for member number four, and obviously myself is included. I'm a former journalist. I spent uh, 13 years in the industry, uh, worked at a whole variety of publications, had a variety of different titles, always about re related to real estate banking or international trade. So what we did for guest number four is we brought in an investigative reporter um, and a gentleman who runs a website uh, about sort of all the muck, if you will, in Washington, D.C., where he's actually based, but he did live down in Miami for a time. Uh, his name is Ken Silverstein. So Ken, who runs Washington Babylon, that's his website, and he also does work for a number of different publications. If you look him up, in, up on LinkedIn or anywhere else, you'll get a real quick sense of uh, sort of who Ken is. And I will tell you, if you want to get any background on, about anybody who's actually in this podcast, I'd encourage you to uh, go through the description of the podcast and click on any of the links. We've uh, hyperlinked everything based on some recommendations for some of our guests. So for this particular podcast, we're going to kick around five story ideas, four of which we will discuss uh, in the order that we discuss them, uh, first article is Douglas Elliman is closing three South Florida offices in South Florida. Um, number two is Miami-Dade County approves a $25 million loan for small businesses. Number three is a George Floyd protest uh, hit Miami's restaurant community. Number four, let me get the exact headline for you, is real estate stocks rally on strong May jobs report. And then number five is the U.S. officially enters an unprecedented recession in February ending longest economic uh, rally on record. So we're going to discuss those for two segments. After that, we'll then get into a brand new uh, segment, which we're introducing for this now standalone roundtable. That'll be the predictions uh, segment. I'm going to ask um, uh, all of the participants to basically make a prediction about something going on in the South Florida economy and or the real estate market. And then finally, in the um, segment number four, what we'll do is we'll get into any kind of comments that you, the audience, um, have submitted. Now, if you have any ideas, any suggestions, any ways for us to improve, any things that we, any steps we need to take, criticisms, uh, you name it, we want to hear it. 
uh, you can send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. Um, it's definitely entertaining. It's definitely insightful. And um, it's definitely going to be a regular. So uh, enjoy it. Again, every Tuesday we'll be doing these roundtables. That's the plan. And every Thursday we'll be having our guest interviews. Um, and you should check back regularly to make sure to check in to see what podcasts we have and or uh, subscribe via whichever uh, uh, podcast service uh, you use, whether it be Anchor or Spotify or uh, anyone else. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I encourage you to buckle up um, uh, and uh, sort of sit back and take it all in and um, enjoy.